Hi, welcome again, uh, once again, to Competitive Council uh, podcast. Now, today is a part of the general election special uh, series. So today, uh, we have Amanda Yeo. She is a candidate for Warisan Party for Parliament 172 Kota Kinabalu. So I don't want to waste any more time. We have precious time here with Amanda Yeo. I know she has a lot of things to do. Uh, we are so grateful from Competitive Council for you to spend some uh, time with us here at Competitive Council. So how are you, Amanda? I'm doing great, but a lot of things to do. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what we expected from our uh, candidate, right? Okay, so first off, uh, something very easy uh, question for you and also introduction for, especially for your voters here in Kota Kinabalu. Like, maybe you can introduce yourself. Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Amanda. I'm a representative of Arisan to uh, contest under the P172 Kota Kinabalu parliamentary seat. And actually, for myself, uh, I study Bachelor Bachelor of Economic and Finance under the London School of Economics. And then I have Master in International Relations in Nanyang Technological University, Singapore. And for my career, basically, I start off by uh, joining the Ministry of Youth and Sport of Sabah and also Ministry of Health and People Wellbeing of Sabah. I serve as the private secretary to the minister over uh 2018 to 2020 period and then afterwards uh i work in kl uh between uh, 2020 to uh, 2022 which is this year as public policy researcher in a think tank which is senior research so basically uh throughout this uh over the four years of my experience basically i already witnessed how the governance system work and also how the political structure work and also like how the civil society work because as for civil society basically i refer to think tank like how they advocate the article writings in, to like uh action and also like uh advocate the government to change the policy making so basically uh like uh for now i'm representing party warisan to contest this uh Kinabalu seat of Uh, I think we lost her. Yeah, I think uh, her internet just got cut off. All right. Uh, maybe we're going to wait for a while for Amanda. I guess that's one of the first things uh, we can fight for. But the internet, like we said last <laughs> episode. Provided that she is in KK right now, because she's yeah. standing for KK, of course. So fight for uh, KKians. Yeah, we are still eagerly waiting for Amanda to back online. Uh, for those who are uh, watching this live, please, if you have any questions for Amanda, uh, just put it down in the comment below. If we have uh, enough time for Amanda to answer all of your questions, we will do that uh, if she, if time permits. So just keep uh, the, your questions up. Okay, so she just dropped off. Really, just I think off, so there may be some resetting yeah. then. Uh, Adi, maybe we can fill in a few bits, uh, uh, certain updates for... For those who watching now, maybe uh, updates for general election. Uh, what's the latest news we have? 
Well, I think we can say that in the last episode, we were mulling over how Shaitan Kasim was thrown out and purged from the candidacy list from Amno. Now he's back with a vengeance, siding with Rikatan National. So we, we see a bigger trend of a lot of spiked uh, Amno politicians, the veterans making their turn return in different parties. Who knows? We only have till tomorrow to figure out where is this whole general election really going for. Um, as for Amanda's case, I'm going to be voting Kotekinabalu as well. So this will be a very interesting episode. It's also going to be very enriching for me to be able to hear from a candidate that will be contesting in my constituency. So that would be very interesting. There's definitely a lot of things that can be improved in KK. Uh, Hafiz, I think I know you're in Putatan, but you frequent KK all the time. I think you basically live in KK as well. So I think you also have some ideas of how KK should be handled after this election. Yeah, exactly. But also, do you anticipate any surprises until until uh, tomorrow? Because uh, everything that announcement that's being made is not final. But yeah, only exactly. tomorrow it's final after they sign and hand over their form to uh, EC. Exactly. Anything can happen. Usually, this is the time where people try maybe more tarik jalon. You know, they want to maybe withdraw for another candidate that might feel like they have a chance at winning. You know, nothing is set in stone. Usually, Malaysian politics. Anything can happen, really. So even though we have a good list so far, who knows what's going to happen in the next uh, few hours. All right. Our dear guest is back uh, online. So Amanda, uh, off you go from wherever you left off. Sorry, uh, because just now my connection uh, was down. So just now I used my personal hotspot to connect. So uh, basically, uh, just to reintroduce myself, I'm Amanda. I will represent Warisan to contest the P172 Kotakina Baru. And uh, for my ad academic background, actually, I study Bachelor of Economics and Finance under London School of Economics and also Master in International Relations in Nanyang Technological University, Singapore. When I completed my tertiary education in N2017. Actually, I back to KK and I have the opportunity to work with Ministry of Youth and Sport of Sabah and also Ministry of Health and People Wellbeing of Sabah under the Warisan-led administration in uh, Sabah State. And actually, I serve as private secretary to the minister between 2018 to 2020. And over the past two years, I actually work in KL. I work as research analyst at Email Research. Basically, um, it's about doing uh, article and also like uh, doing some research regarding the social economic issue in Malaysia. And also, uh, sometimes I do look into Sabah and Sarawak issue. And then for this time, uh, for my coming campaign, I would like to make KK a different uh, city whereby KK residents will feel that it's more livable and also let more young people to uh, be more included uh, in like how to say the employment and also like the upskilling opportunities. And I hope that um, my policy aspiration will able to inspire more KK voters my gosh, I'm so proud to be a fellow Sabahan here because, uh, Amanda, you're 
your resume is pretty impressive. Um, I, looking at your LinkedIn is, you know, I'm so proud that uh, political party you now offering uh, individual like yourself with incredible achievement so far. Like you know, this kind of resume being only certainly can achieve only certain group of uh, age of people, only like maybe 40, 50 year old. But you are certainly representing a youth, so definitely impressive but before we go to uh, more serious questions i would just like uh take out something from your linkedin it says that you uh elementarily uh profess profession in korean language how's that come about oh actually that one is like uh i only know basic uh, Korean language is like Anyo Haseyo, Kansahamida, uh, Chaika, something like that. Because like uh, for myself, I really like to watch Korean drama and also like some K-pop. So like uh, that's why it's like. Oh, so uh, you so you are a graduate Korean of Netflix language. University. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Uh, so you are the the graduates of uh, Netflix University because you know I I also know a lot of people who can speak Korean because of the they, they they watch a lot of uh, netflix uh moving on at more serious questions let me bring in adi putra to start off uh, with his uh, part of the segment uh first off i want to say okay k-pop uh i also like k-pop myself so if we can actually get a k-pop group into sabah that would be amazing because i think they mentioned all oh, have concert you're going to cancel concerts in west malaysia so Sabah should be the next destination. So I look forward to see if KK can pull that off, bring in our Blackpink and all the other K-pop groups in uh, this KK. Uh, but anyway, Amanda, um, you know, obviously you're going to have your hands full uh, with the elections here. Um, but you know, trying to uh, convince the voters is also something else because uh, now we, I myself am living in KK. And obviously, there are certain things we would like to see uh, change. You mentioned about how you would like KK uh, people living in KK to be proud, to be a livable city, and to have a better uh, quality of life. Um, so, what is it that if you could, let's say, um, if you're the MP now, what would be the first thing that you would like to change uh, for KK itself? Uh, Adi, to be honest, I not really can listen to your question. Oh. oh, we also lost again. Uh, unfortunately, the internet uh, stopped really good apparently tonight, so we got another interruption. Those who are watching, please hold on as we try to resolve the issue on Amanda's side. Well, in the meantime, till we wait, I guess I can just throw it to Hafiz. What would you see as the first thing you would like to see fixed in KK? Uh, I think this this type of questions requires to... Hold on. Oh, okay. Okay, we have Amanda. Ooh, she saved me from answering this question. All right. Adi, maybe you can right. repeat your question to uh, Amanda. Can you hear me now? Hello. You want KK also have <laughs> internet problem? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, okay. So Amanda, can you hear me right now? 
Amanda, can you hear Adi? Hello, Amanda. Can you can you hear us? I'm not sure if she's frozen or not. Uh, not really clear actually. Oh dear. I'm not sure whether it's my problem. Mm, okay, how do we proceed here? Maybe we can just drop the question in the message box office. Uh, okay. Or maybe we can drop the video and try and see whether it's better. Uh, Amanda, can you hear us once again? Yes, can. Okay. Okay. I did try to. Uh, okay, so um, my question, Amanda, was um, if you were, let's say, the MP of KK now at this moment, what would be the first thing you'd like to fix um, in KK? Oh, I cannot hear like the another oh. part, the second part of the question. Uh, I mean, what would you do as an MP? The first thing you would do to make sure KK is a great city to live in or a great district to live in? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, can what, I, what would you. Connection is quite. What would you improve? in Kotanganabalu if you were elected as MP, Amanda? Okay, I think I'll just put it in the chat just so I can take a look. Maybe you can refer to the question? Amanda, on the chat. Oh, okay. Uh, thank you for the question, Abi. So uh, what Abi asked is like, uh, if I was the M for KK today, what would be the first thing that I would do to improve the district? So for myself, actually, I... Uh, also uh, noticed that KK, actually the cost of living is higher than KL. So basically uh, for me, I would like to uh, expand the port infrastructure when I become the MP for KK. Actually the port infrastructure, I understand that um, is uh, out of my constituency. Uh, basically it's like if I want to uh, upgrade the port infrastructure, basically it uh, belongs to the Sabanka port. But I think that one is that if let's say we can expand the port infrastructure and also like um, enable the goods and services to deliver directly to KK. Actually, it will be better because like uh, nowadays, uh, because like uh, the goods and services sometimes, uh, especially when the volume is small, you still have to pass to KL first, uh, which is in Port Pai, that only can go to Kota Kinabalu. So basically, it's like when you have to go through Port Pai, it will increase the logistic cost and then when the time you reach KK already, definitely uh, the logistic cost will become higher. So it will mark up the cost of uh, goods and services. And then like um, for now, because of the rising inflation, 
you can notice in KK that uh, the food basically is more expensive now because like uh, for Sabah, although it's like where we, uh, how to say, it's like a lot of lands uh, around the state, but it's like some of the land are not fully utilized or like uh, not planned with agricultural crops. So uh, in the end of the day, actually Sabah still have to rely on a lot on the imported goods uh, and food from other countries. So uh, basically the food price goes up and uh, many KK residents, I mean like the low income category especially, they actually like are facing uh, tremendous stress in like, uh, is tremendous stress in like, uh, how to say spend in terms of food on meat. So if let's say uh, when the OPR hike, actually like recently uh, the news already mentioned that OPR hike already rise for the fourth time. So when the OPR hike rise for the fourth time, that means like uh, the car and the housing loan will become more expensive. So uh, when the low income uh, individuals have to deal with like a higher housing loan payment and also higher car loan payment, then they will feel that actually uh, it will become unaffordable. So uh, basically, uh, cost of living is one thing. And then another thing uh, we can notice in KK, uh, especially like we do or for some, uh, sometimes it's like they have a flash fraud happening and then like uh, some of the residents actually have to bear the unexpected cost of flood and make them have to how to say it's like they not only have to bear in terms of like rising price of food but they also have to bear in terms of like the damaged furniture or even like um, some of the equipments uh, within the shelter so basically it will add up more cost to them so uh, to create like a livable uh, Kota Kinabalu I think the way forward is to also like have proper public transportation inside because uh, for KK you can see that uh, there are more cars traveling around the city so if let's say we can uh, provide more buses with more bus land and also like a puncture bus schedule like each bus ride is like the maximum waiting time is only 15 minutes then actually uh, KK can be more livable but also at the same time we also need to have the working trial and also like the cycling tracks so to like uh, ensure that it has like the green space connected within the city itself. Uh, Amanda, you mentioned about uh, a livable city and cost of living just now, it was high and everything. Uh, to me, uh, a livable city, uh, depending on these two factors, uh, the cost and also the income. Uh, certain, certain big cities, they have high cost of living, but also high income. In KK, I just, I just, I think I drove by today and I saw uh, a billboard saying that there will a certain party as the part of the manifesto, manifesto uh, promising a 1,500 minimum wage. Now, this is by national standard is very, very low. Uh, we currently have 1,100 or 1,200 minimum wage. 
How do you see this as a problem in KK? Because KK is the capital of Sabah. And how can we improve? Not to just uh, 1,500, but maybe 2,000? More a more dignified income. Oh, we lost Amanda again. I think you're going to have to write that down as well. Uh, yeah. yeah. As right. you cannot hear clearly, so internet uh, were really hampered by connectivity issues today. I guess they're typing it out right now, please. Right? They're typing out the question right now? Yeah. Yeah, I should start preparing for mine as well then. Yep. Uh, this is very rare incidents that we have. You know, in previous episodes, we never have this kind of uh, problems. So I guess. Previous episodes, just you and me, which is fine. I mean, the other day with uh, Desmond yeah. as well, it was all great. Uh, for those who are watching, Amanda still not uh, come back online, so we are patiently waiting for her. So for listeners out there, if you have any questions, please uh, write them down in the comment below and we will ask Amanda that question. Yes, Amanda is back online. Yes, All right. I hope it's your, your video looks better. Are you using different connection? Uh, yeah, just now I use my another friend uh, hotspot to connect and then like see whether it works. I hope it's much better. Okay, I can hear you better. I'm sure Adi can hear you better as well. Let me repeat my question, all right? Yeah, sure. Okay. So you mentioned just now to be uh, to make KK a more livable city, and uh, I, in my opinion, a livable city depends on two things: cost of living and also income of the people. Uh, yes, uh, things are getting expensive in KK, but also in other cities like KL. But their income is far bigger than we are in KK. How do you see these prob problems become something very? Uh, 
bad for us in KK. Let's say uh, if I take, for example, a kilo of whole chicken in Semenanjung is half of the price in KK. So in by that metric, uh, we have to pay almost twice for, for our daily goods. So what's your suggestions to, to the government so that we can improve this? Because I saw a manifesto by certain party when I drove around just now, uh, promising 1,500 ringgit. 1,500 ringgit in KK is barely make it to the, you know, to, 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 to cover everything. So we need more dignified number so that people can live a better life. So what's your suggestions so that we can uh, fix this problem? So basically, I think the minimum wage will not uh, able to solve the problem in KK. So basically, uh, to solve the problem in KK, I think we have to look into creating more high school jobs in KK. It's like uh, for the high school job, basically, I refer uh, towards like the high tech and the creative sector because uh, I think like uh, for KK in uh, general, it's like um, basically uh, it's like still more dominated to like F&B and also like tourism. But uh, in terms of how to say the manufacturing, it's like I understand that uh, there is KKIP, which is the Kota Kinabalu Industrial Park, but it's like um, the industrialization is still not enough. So if let's say we can like uh, create more vibrancy in KKIP, like uh, having more um, manufacturing activities and also like how to say uh, some of the, how to say creative sectors coming in, basically this can uh, create like certain vibrancy. And then also like um, we can look into the environment perspective. It's like, uh, because basically, if uh, we work on the public transportation and also the green space, basically uh, for KK also have the potential to create more green jobs. So actually uh, KK residents also have the opportunity to work on green jobs. And then like from there, actually also can improve like the environment quality in KK. All right, uh, Adi. Oh, no, there you have um, very good um, recommendations as well. I mean, job creation is one way to sustain how we can grow as a job market and make sure that young people are being able to get the dignity that they deserve because now job security, uh, housing security and food security is now being an issue, especially when it comes to increased prices. So uh, I appreciate that sentiment, uh, Amanda. Uh, okay, but I want to zoom out a bit here because um, you will be contesting for a federal seat. This is a, pilot, a seat that uh, stand in parliament. So you'll also not just be uh, bringing issues of KK, but uh, you'll also be bringing Sabahan issues to the national level. So my question here is, what would be the key issues that you will focus on uh, at the parliamentary stage or at, parliament, at the federal level? Um, will, you, will it be something like autonomy or MA63 or um, increased um, development um, a budget or uh, just want to get your idea here what, would you, what can we see you uh, at parliament champion thanks for the question adi so uh, actually for me i think that uh, for sabah allocation uh, for the budget 2023 is actually quite similar to uh, what we experienced like past few years it's like uh, maybe like the federal government already increased like the sabah allocation by around like 20 
uh, to 25%, but actually it's still not sufficient because it's like just a tiny sum from the but uh, from the whole budget itself because like um, the Sabah uh, allocation basically is like around six uh, billion and then like um, the total budget is like uh, three hundred and seventy two billion. So it's like basically it just like a tiny sum of it and then it's like um, for uh, the for Sabah to have more allocation, I think uh, ideally uh, the federal government also need to plan that uh, it's like maybe like there are certain projects maybe they are not so important maybe it can be prioritized to Sabah because like for instance uh, like KL that site is like uh, they have the MRT3 uh, project they plan to like uh, expand and also like uh, give more allocation but I think like ideally actually if uh, the federal government can like look into another city such as like uh, Penang or Johor and also Sabah and Sarawak, the main city itself, uh, especially like uh, Georgetown, Johor Bahru, Kuching and also Kota Kinabalu. Actually, I think that uh, for Kota Kinabalu wise, where I consulted, we can like uh, ask for more funding in terms of like public transport, like just uh, build the bus uh, system within Kota Kinabalu. So at least like the low income individuals, they not uh, really need to buy a car in order to travel around KK. They can like take public transportation, uh, especially like bus in more affordable price. Maybe it can be like a few ringgits per trip. It's like at least they don't need to spend that much in like car petrol, for instance. Oh, right. Yeah, I totally agree on cutting off some uh, budget for mega projects and redirecting it to a different uh, projects indeed, especially in Sabah. Now, uh, I want we want to still maintain on uh, local issues here, but I guess my last question for local issues uh, for you, Amanda, is uh, recently a study shows that 72% uh, Malaysian would rather move out of the country if there's opportunity. So a brain drain is not just a national issue, but very much domestic local issue. Uh, uh, I, I certainly personally have a lot of friends who not just migrated to Kuala Lumpur, uh, Klang Valley for a better opportunity, but also outside, especially Australia. They even studied there and then they, and then after they get the job, they would stay, settle down also outside Malaysia. So this could hinder, uh, could hinder Malaysia to become a high income country uh, when we're losing talents on, on a great uh, rate. So especially in KK, how can we address this brand drain? So actually for the brand drain issue, I think that uh, not only uh, in terms of like uh, more creation of job and also like expansion of the port infrastructure, uh, ideally I think that uh, basically it's like how to say, uh, we also need to have a stable government in order to deal with this brand drain issue because like um, actually like some of the Malaysia Malaysian, they leaving Malaysia and go to Singapore or Australia or like another more developed country is because Malaysia 
uh, politics is like quite unstable during these few years. So if let's say like during this three fifteen, we can have a stable government. Then actually, I think that uh, the governance will be better because uh, when we have a stable government, at least uh, it's like they can concentrate to solve some issues such as like economic issue or even the flood issue and also like the structural problems so the structural problem it can be like lack of r and d uh, which is research and development to create more jobs or like lack of uh, research and development in terms of like education uh like priorities so i think that it's like uh, for me I think, yeah, still politics is the most important thing to ensure that the brand drain will not uh, continue to happen again. Yes. But definitely um, it takes some time to solve because, um, I mean, like when you deal with the structural reform, definitely it will require years to solve. But I mean, like if we can solve like bit by bit, you actually can see the improvement over decades. Yeah, very good ideas being thrown around here. It's very exciting, like public transport, uh, making it easier, quality of life for everyone, um, reducing a brain drain through a, just a better overall quality of life. Um, but like any idea, execution is important here, right? Um, and I guess for you, Amanda, uh, the first uh, port of call when it comes to executing all these ideas uh, would be working together with uh, Dewan Bandaraya Kota Kedavalu, DPKK. So uh, I would like to say that moving forward as you address these uh, ideas here, throwing it around, um, what would you see the role and function of uh, DPKK uh, working together with uh, you should you become uh, the member parliament or any uh, member parliament of KK? What do you see? Um, do you see any gaps in this relationship or do you feel like other things should be addressed when it comes to maximizing efficiency uh, in terms of administrating the district? So basically, uh, sometimes it's like how to say when you want to uh, resolve certain issue, sometimes it's like you have to refer to uh, several departments or even ministry to uh, settle the problem. So uh, sometimes I think that if let's say uh, you want to specify like uh, solving uh, how to say the flood issue maybe sometimes if we can uh, refer to like one uh, ministry would be good enough but uh, I understand that sometimes it's like not only you need to deal with the environment ministry but you also have to deal with the local government ministry for instance so if let's say uh, this uh, both uh, these two ministries cannot like work together then uh, the problem will not be able to solve. So I think like uh, as an MP is like uh, the role supposed to be uh, not only to advocate like the local issue at the national level, but also trying to uh, convince like the ministry to like get along together or even like the stakeholder, maybe like the private sector or the NGO. So it can like ensure the issue to be solved because sometimes it's like if we lack of like public private partnership uh foster within uh the country or within the society then the issue can be quite difficult to solve 
All right, Amanda. Yes, uh, certainly. Any any problem regarding structural uh, policy needs requires a lot of time to to, to change. But uh, uh, I, I would like to move on to uh, national issue now. Something something bigger than just Kota uh, Kinabalu because you are uh, competing for a seat in the federal government. So uh, recently, Ilham Center made a survey and then they draw conclusions that the top five. Uh, voter concern issues are uh, inflation, political instability, corruption, enhancing economic growth, and protect workers' rights for a fair wage. So, uh, with these concerns, we we have uh, a, a lot of people that you know complaining and moaning about the problem that they have, this uh, concern they have. But based on the last two state elections, the voters turned out were quite low. They have a concern, but in terms of turnout, there's not so much that were uh, willing to go out and, and vote. Now also, uh, meteorological department saying there will be huge flood coming in, in mid, uh, now until maybe uh, January. How do you see this trend will continue? Uh, are the voters still going to, like, I don't care, it's going to be the same thing, we voted this last time and then it becomes this again do you think they will upset with uh, what happened uh, or these concerns will uh, bring them out on uh, november 19. all right so for me i think the bread and butter issue is still very important especially the economic part uh and then like uh basically it's like uh to encourage uh more young workers coming out to work i think um it's like it's important to come up with social media strategy because it's like uh for the young people especially from age 18 to 30 maybe some of them they have limited knowledge in politics so um i think the strategic way is to like look into what are their hobbies like what are their how to say their daily lifestyle or like um what they normally uh, like to involve, then from there we can like uh, identify the issue, and then from there it's like we can how to say uh, to attract. It's like we can attract them when we understand like what uh, they are facing actually. Because like for instance, right, I think especially for those uh, younger ones, like maybe eighteen to twenty-five, maybe. Uh, they are more uh, into the digital world because like uh, now especially like the pandemic is like enable work from home feature so like uh, some youth actually they are more prefer to uh, stay at home and not really going out so they will be like in the digital world so um basically uh, for this election i think like not only we have to deal with the physical world, it's like have personal touch with the waters, but we also need to um, understand like the digital present, like uh, what the younger youth actually thinking about politics and how we can use like um, another strategic ways to like attract them to understand politics a bit and then from there they can work the people they feel that it's connected to their voice. So I think that is important. 
okay. Another one for me is that okay, we've picked it from um from a Sabahan perspective, but you know, as a MPO, so you'll be steering the direction and policies that not just governs Sabah, uh, but Malaysia as a whole. So in terms of a uh, direction you hope to see Malaysia go forward, uh, what kind of country do you hope to see? Like, would you um, have more focus on economic growth or something like uh, uh, reinforcing uh, social harmony or ref you know, bringing more progressive ideas into, into governance? There's a lot of ways uh, we can govern a country, Amanda. So for me, it's, um, as a whole in Malaysia, uh, uh, collectively, uh, where do you would like to see us, uh, let's say, uh, okay, you'll term, if, you, if you say win uh, this next election, you'll have a term for about four to five years. Uh, but at the end of that, those four to five years, where do you see Malaysia uh, then compared to now, your, in your aspirations and hopes? So actually, uh, for now, I think that if, let's say, uh, there are like several issues like economy, social issue or environment, right? I think for now, uh, for me, the first priority is still the economic issue because it's like when we can ensure that people have the income to spend, that means they uh, can afford to think of other things. It's like if they have uh, enough income to spend on food, at least they have like another uh, priorities they can uh, do is like maybe uh, to like subscribe the internet or like to have the employment, uh, it's like the upskilling uh, part. So it's like when they're able to equip themselves with more skill set, at least they can like uh, more employable, then they also have the chance to earn like higher income. So uh, basically, uh, once the economic part is resolved, then it will be uh, how to say idea for the government to look into like the environment issue like the flood especially because uh for malaysia the most common uh disaster is still flood and then afterwards will be landslide so it's like when the time the government can balance uh the economy and the environment issue then the country actually can uh, progress better and then like uh, for the corruption that uh, Hafiz mentioned earlier actually yeah that part also come uh, very uh, important um, how to say agenda because like if uh, the government do not have like a proper framework to monitor like the key performance then it also hard to solve the economy and also environment issue so I think that to solve like the economy and the environment issue effectively, we can look into uh, a framework which is the input, output, outreach, and impact model. So basically, it's like um, once we identify like what are the problems, then from there we can uh, like see like how to solve the problem. It's like we can identify how to solve the problem, but whether when the time we solve the problem have certain barriers, then we will try to like see uh, what's the barrier behind. Then from there, we can like think out of the box to make the impact to the society. So uh, this is the like the simple framework I try to illustrate. All right, uh, Amanda, the general election, the 15 general elections also uh, 
something very interesting because this is the general election that will include a lot of new voters. Uh, a lot of a lot of new voters in terms of nine millions of them. So, what do you think in terms of? Uh, there's also studies saying that uh, uh, people from around 18 to 20, 20 to 23, the younger they are, the less interested they are in politics. As a candidate for 172 Kota Kinabalu, how? And what are your strategies to woo these young voters and also the first-timer voters that previously they never care to register and vote? So how, what is your strategy to bring them in? I think for me, I will uh, work more in terms of social media strategy because uh, for me, actually, I recently created my Facebook page you, you all can follow me, Amanda Yuo Yanying, uh, as I mean, the Facebook page itself, and then to see more updates. Basically, I have planned to capture some short video and also like uh, have some like simple image and simple caption that uh, let the young people feel that I actually care about them. So uh, just stay tuned for more information and I will review uh, more things in my Facebook. Uh, about like policy, I, I mean about policy aspiration and also like oh, what are the message that I'm planning to give the young people in Kiki. Apart from uh, social media, do uh, also planning on the ground? On the ground, yes. Actually, I plan to have some youth gathering as well. So like throughout the youth gathering, it's like I can understand their concern and also their issue better. Okay, since we're on the topic of uh, campaigning, uh, Amanda, we expect to see that uh, Kota Kitabalu is going to be at least be a three or four way battle, uh, given how things are going. Uh, compared to, let's say, you know, other, uh, other candidates, um, we have uh, PBS, we have DAP here. Um, where do you see uh, in terms of uh, the capturing of uh, voters here, uh, because KK is considered quite a big seat with a, quite a sizable population. Um, where do you see yourself in, uh, in different contrast to uh, your opponents, your political opponents here, uh, just to set yourself apart here? So basically, I think that uh, for the AP side, uh, the candidate actually is older than me and then like for PBS side I mean uh, her age actually is quite similar so I think like uh, for for myself actually I think that when I have the aspiration for a better KK and a more uh, livable and more connected KK I think I still stand the chance all right uh that's uh, certainly, you know, in any elections, everyone's going to uh, Adi, do you have any more questions for Amanda? Uh, yeah, this was more just um, uh, a general remark here. Uh, you mentioned that you were uh, ex you're explaining like strategies you uh, are going to implement to attract uh, youth through social media and uh, some uh, on the ground uh, work with the grassroots. But 
like Hafiz mentioned, a lot of youths are quite apathetic and indifferent to voting. They feel like uh, their vote doesn't really matter, that uh, there's no point in voting because it's always going to be the same and the status quo is going to be there. Uh, what would be your message to uh, young people who are reluctant to vote? What would you, if you could tell them something now, why is it important to vote? What would you say to them? Actually, to me, I think uh, one word will actually make a difference in your life because like when the time we gather more words, right, you can see that actually it's like, you can see how powerful work is. So if you want to have a better governance, you should come out to work and be the part of the change. Yes, certainly, uh, you know, that's the least that we can do in a democratic country to exercise our uh, voting rights as a citizen, which is enshrined in the constitution. But uh, another another concern that I want to bring to you, Amanda, as a national issue, is that uh, uh, how how do you see, it, you know, you said that one of your strategy to woo young voters are using social media. But also in social media, there's a lot of fake information. There's a lot of misleading information. So how do you, you know, like to 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 filter all this fake information so that we can maintain uh, harmony, uh, unity in this country, and how politicians play their role in terms of maintaining this? Actually, this one uh, has to comes with like. Con continuous uh, education because sometimes it's like uh, the this information can uh, make people confused with uh, what they're supposed to know and what they sh shouldn't know so if let's say um, I mean like uh, the education edu uh, institution and like politician and also government can like come together to educate uh, the educate people the difference uh between like what it's like not supposed to post in the website and what actually supposed to know i mean in the public then i think it will help the people to differentiate like what is the information that is good to know and what is the information that shouldn't be uh like known to the public Uh, we almost uh, doing this for one hour, but maybe uh, one last question for you before you give us uh, give us a closing remark. Uh, what can you tell us? Like, what is uh, what is an envision for the expansion to Peninsula? Like, what they are looking out of this? So basically, to me, Warisan is uh, like always consistent in fighting not only the rights of Sabahan, but they're also trying to promote the multiracialism and multiculturalism in entire Malaysia. Because like, uh, for me, it's like during the past two years, I was in KL and then like when the time I like follow some of their activities, I can see that actually West Malaysian also hope to uh, have the multiculturalism and also multiracialism within the society itself because like I actually do have some of my West Malaysian friends who actually like they have 
uh, friends who are who are like multiracial, like Chinese, Indian, and Malay, they can be together and like talk and like have meal together. So actually, it's like um, sometimes I understand that the disinformation actually can make like uh, certain people to be how to say they are more uh, racially biased. But uh, actually, if let's say if we see like the society nowadays actually uh, especially the young people they actually are more open to like talk to different uh, race and also they open to uh, accept different culture all right amanda uh, this is going to be last question for casey since we don't have any questions from uh, our live facebook live so please whatever that you want to say to your uh, potential voters in 19 november uh, tomorrow is a very important date for you early morning you have to go and um, hand over the form so what's your last message to if you can you know speak if almost all in my wish if all kkians gonna watch this uh, podcast what's your message today so for me the message is simple let us uh, reimagine and let us uh, have like a it's like imagine a better KK city. Yes. All right, that's a message from Amanda to for the uh, people in KK to reimagine a better future. Uh, before I close this, I would like to thank Amanda Yeo for taking some time out with us here at. Council. Adi, any last remark from you? Uh, I just want to say thank you, Amanda, so much for being here tonight. I remember uh, last year we used to have all these uh, clubhouse sessions. So, in a way, this uh, kind of reminds me of uh, that time during MCO where we could just talk about uh, state issues or national issues. But uh, thank you so much. And uh, we wish you all the best uh, in the elections uh, to come and the campaigning that will follow with it. Uh, so, that's just for me. I'll hand it over back to you, Havis. Yes, uh, once again, good luck to Amanda Yeo for tomorrow and on 19th November 2022 will be, I think, the biggest day of your life uh, for that. And also for those who are listening, Kompetium Council always uh, talking about global issues, geopolitics and local politics as well. So if you want to hear more of this kind of content, please like and share our Facebook, our YouTube, and you can also find our podcast in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So please listening to uh, please listen to all of the podcasts if you have the time because this podcast as well will be there on a demand. So thank you again for those who are watching this live. With that, goodbye for now. Good goodbye for now and good evening. <laughs>